you know, it's a, it's a common thing for me to say to contractors when I'm speaking to them in a training. You ever have homeowners who complain about when you come to do your spring turnaround and you hit them with a big bill? The whole room will say, yeah, of course we do. Yeah, we do. You know, I've said, like, do you, have you ever thought about explaining this to them and saying, like, we noticed this stuff when we were here winterizing in October or November or September. We don't fix them typically. Then we make notes and we come back and fix them. But the point is that all these problems, a broken head, a, a, maybe a break in a pipe, a valve issue, these things didn't happen the day before we showed up here to winterize your system. They happened all season long. And since there's nothing in place to detect it, it just went undetected. If you are an irrigation professional, old or new, who designs, installs, or maintains high-end residential, commercial, or municipal properties, and you want to use technology to improve your business, to get a leg up on your competition, even if you're an old-school irrigator from the days of hydraulic systems, this show is for you. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of The Sprinkler Nerd Show. I'm your host, Andy Humphrey. And this is episode 43. Today, I have a special guest. His name is Kevin Lewis, and he is the sales manager for Hunter Industries in the greater New York metro area. Kevin, welcome to the Sprinkler Nerd Show. So glad to have you with us today. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Appreciate it. Wanted to have you on the show for a couple reasons. Number one, because I think you got a pretty unique uh, background in this industry and have worked in various uh, parts of the industry. And then number two, you know, we've got a lot of interest for Hunter. Hunter's, you know, doing a great job in market uh, nationally with uh, new products. And so I'm excited to kind of talk about the top five new products for Hunter this year. So before we do that, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay. Well, um, I grew up uh, from a pretty young age working in um, distribution. I'm from Long Island and uh, around here, it's kind of pretty common for people to kind of bring their kids into a, the distributor branch that they work for. And that's, I was one of those guys just working the summers with my dad, uh, who's, you know, was a retired New York uh, City police officer. And uh, yeah, I spent the summers going in, working, you know, running rolls of pipe around the building and carrying stuff out to contractors' trucks, doing warranty stuff, and you now just around around the business, kind of my whole life uh, from that perspective. Worked summers uh, throughout high school and in co into college. Uh, my father actually became a contractor. He he did a little bit of a reverse progression through uh, his irrigation career. He was uh, working for a distributor and then ultimately went out to be a contractor at age, I think, 51 or something. So I spent some time working with him in the field, installing and learning the business from that angle. Uh, ultimately, well, after graduating college, I ended up going back to distribution. I worked selling and supporting commercial projects throughout the Northeast. Uh, we sold a bunch of your products <laughs> at the time. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Kevin was the uh, the baseline guy of the Northeast for Atlantic Irrigation. Yeah, for a while, yeah. And uh, successful there, met a lot of people, got introduced to a lot of people. Um, and then ultimately, um, I left and and was actually the Netifim rep for a year in the uh, throughout the Northeast and then um, moved over to Hunter. And I'll be coming up on five years as the rep for Hunter supporting Long Island, New York City, Westchester, New York, and uh, Fairfield County, which is uh, like southern portion of Connecticut. So 
Wow. Yeah. And for those of you listening that aren't familiar with this part of New York, that's, there's a lot of people that live in that part of New York. Yeah. I, I relative to, you know, uh, the people I work with, I have a relatively small territory physically, but just jam packed with action and projects and stuff. So. Yeah. So when, when you say the sales manager for New York Metro, can you, can you help us maybe more specifically, like, where do you live or, or work out of? Yep. I work out of, you know, I live in Long Island or on Long Island, as we say around here. Long Island? Long Island, Island right? Yeah, on Long Island, not in Long Island. Uh, I live on Long Island. I've lived here pretty much my whole life. Kind of live in the center of the island, I would say, which is good because there's a lot kind of happening on all ends of the island. The east end of Long Island is a big uh, area for you know, projects, big estates and things being built out and co- constantly work being done over there on the on the west side. It, you have Manhattan, New York City, which everybody kind of knows of some really big, high profile projects going on in New York City. I could jump on a bridge, get be in the city. I could jump on a bridge, be in, um, get, get north of the city into Westchester County. So it's a good spot to be in. There's a lot of lot, lot happening, a lot of work going on, fast paced, intense, but uh, definitely rewarding and fun. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So take us back. I, I'd like to kind of, and this is, I don't know this. How old were you when you say you first kind of started with your dad? You know, were you four or were you 14? Uh, I think I was like, you know, nine or so, nine, 10, something like that. Nine, 10, 11. I, I honestly don't remember. I mean, I know my, I know when my dad retired from the police department and by the time I was 10, he was definitely working in distribution. So it was probably somewhere around that age. Okay. So he, w- he retired from the police department, went to work for the irrigation distributor. Yep. Uh, which one was that? Atlantic Irrigation, Deer Park. Atlantic. Okay. And which branch specifically? Uh, Deer Park, Long Island, the original store. Yep. Deer Park. Okay. Right there near Highway 231, right? 231. That's right. <laughs> you got a lot of friends. There. That's a side joke. <laughs> Um, so you were nine or 10 and your dad was going, he just started working for the distributor in retirement, right? Yeah, to just kind of stay busy. It was a lot of retired New York City firemen. A lot of New York City uh, police officers would retire. Listen, think about it. At my age, I could have 20 years in on the job. I have a friend of mine who's got 20 years as a cop done. I mean, he could retire right now at 41 years old. So it's, you know, my dad was a little older than that, but um, not by much. Yeah, absolutely. That's mid-career for a lot of people, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So what kind of things were you getting yourself into at at Atlantic when you'd go in to help him? I mean, in the beginning, it was we've we've got a warranty bin, a return, a bunch of back in the day used to be garbage cans, you know, with just dirty heads and stuff thrown in there for, for warranty. And I used to have to go through and, you know, check the dates on them, write up a list, mark them all up, put box them up and then uh, get ready to ship them back. It was pretty dirty, disgusting job that they give a 10 or 11 year old. Dude, I, I was in a irrigation distributor branch two weeks ago and they still had the trash can full of RMAs. Yeah, they all do. They still do. You're right. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. So I guess I wanted to, it's important, you know, you and I have known each other. I've kind of known that you worked in the business, but this was just a chance for me to ask you a little bit deeper questions because I think that when you're working in this industry, it is important to know how our customers, um, what it's like to stand in their shoes at all levels of the business, because then you know what it's like to do their job and you can relate to them. Uh, so often someone will will start working at a manufacturer that you know, came from selling something completely different and they can't relate to customers. And so I think you're an extremely relatable person. Uh, I 
can't agree with you any more than what you just said. And I'm not trying to paint myself out to be so great, but you, you see the people come in the industry and they just can't relate. They don't speak the same language. They haven't been there. A lot of sales guys like to tell you, you know, what the, you know, the marketing pieces that the company is passing off. This is how it should be. Well, have you ever tried doing that in the field? Do you know about, you know, X, Y, and Z, these challenges that we face and, it, I, I do have the experience of of um, kind of tackling this industry from all angles, and I think that does um, it, it. It makes it a lot easier, like you said, for me to relate to contractors, people who are actually using our products, kind of know the pain points, even when it, with the people who work in distribution and as a manufacturer's representative now. I, I think I tend to know when to, you know, what, let me just take that off his plate because I know it's going to drive him crazy. Now, whatever whatever the case might be, um, I, I understand the the uh, position that most of these people are in. Well, I think, you know, that's why I'm asking you to kind of uh, join me today, because you're not just a sales guy. I would tr- I would believe that your customers think of you as almost, you know, for lack of a better word, their trusted advisor. They're going to go to Kevin for help and expertise, not just because you rep Hunter, but because, you you know, things. Yeah, they can help them. I think that's true. I think that there is something to that. And um, I don't tend to think of myself very much as a, of a sales guy. I'm not that type of person. I'm not going to jam product down your throat. I'm not going to sell you something just to sell it to you. I, I you know, I've, I've advised people to use maybe a different product because I thought it was a better fit. But I, you know, as, as we've talked about that, I think that comes back to you in the end. Just to kind of summarize, you uh, worked in distribution, processing RMAs, sweeping the floor, doing whatever L, whatever else your dad or, the, or Atlantic wanted you to do at that time at nine or ten. Then you said you helped your dad with his contracting business. Yep. He, he moved out of Atlantic and started doing irrigation contracting. Mm-hmm. And then I know you worked for Atlantic as their commercial sales and sort of central control and specification, right? Yep. Then on to to Netafim. And now to Hunter. So what you have covered is like grunt work from the distributor, the bottom of the totem pole, right? Um, Through each aspect of the industry all the way up to right now, where now you get to influence the business because Hunter is manufacturing new products that did not exist before. That's changing the way these guys, this industry works. You know, I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, it's listen. If I if I told you I wasn't having fun, I'd be lying to you. I mean, I genuinely love my job. If, I, if there was a one job in the local area that I could choose, I, it would be this one. So I'm perfectly content. Love dealing with the people I deal with, and uh, it's fun. I have a good time. There, there you go. You guys heard it here first. We're gonna get this. This we're gonna. Kevin's going to shoot straight from Hunter when we jump into the five, his, his top five products for 2021. So I know Hunter's got a lot of stuff coming out this year. And I've asked Kevin to share uh, from, from your lens, Mm -hmm. what you think are the top five products. And again, this would be the New York Metro area, but there's a lot of crossover nationally. So let's get right into that. What's uh, what's product number one? Yeah, well, every uh, every year for the past, I think, three years, uh, our marketing team has put out a, a document called What's New for, I think it started in 2019, went to 2020 and 20, uh, now 2021. So uh, this year, yep, we have the document again. Um, it has definitely served as a, a talking point. You know, everybody can refer to the document. This is what we've got. Kind of bounce through all the new stuff. Uh, like you said, I've kind of chosen the five coolest products that I think from that document. And um, yeah, we'll go through them now. So um, we're coming up on five years actually of uh, Hunter having and selling uh, HydroWise controllers. 
Um, if you saw what we started out with five years ago versus what we've got now, it is wildly different. I mean, I'm talking from a hardware perspective to uh, software, you know, the app, how, how it operates, the whole back end of it. It's actually very cool to see how this thing has progressed. And one of the things that we've been uh, pushing is um, flow meters for HydroWise. And it's just kind of takes care of the whole hydraulic troubleshooting and notifying of uh, problems with our HydroWise systems. If something breaks in the field, we'll get a notification about it. So it's a great, uh, great product, great theory and everything. The issue is that a lot of times when you're retrofitting a controller back into an existing system, installing a flow meter can be difficult. And um, mainly the biggest issue is getting a wire path to that, to that flow meter. So for years, we've been telling people, listen, you have to use um, a separate wire path. It should be shielded cable. And, you know, we've got plenty of guys who are doing it. But um, again, like I said, the, the issue has been the um, getting that wire path there. So this year, we've actually launched a wireless flow meter. And what it is, is it's basically, if, if anybody's used to um, the HydroWise flow meters, they're brass constructed flow meters, three quarter, one inch, inch and a half, and two inch. We're still going to sell you those same solid flow meters difference is that there's going to be a communication piece that goes with it. So you're going to have a 915 megahertz uh, dome antenna on the side of the of the um, meter itself. And then you'll have a fin antenna that's going to hang off the side of the controller. It's good for a 500 feet line of sight. And uh, yeah, the dome antenna, we're suggesting taking a three and a quarter inch hole saw drilling through the top of a valve box. There's a you'll stick the dome piece on the, uh, through the top of the valve box. And then there's a nut that tightens down to uh, hold the uh, the communication piece in, in, in place. So I think we're officially, it's officially going to launch April 1st or something like that. I, everybody I speak to, it's the first thing they ask me, how's the, you know, is the wireless meter out? So we should draw a lot of uh, excitement from that one. Right, right. So let's talk for a minute. Let's just step back. So when we talk about a flow meter with hydrowise can you still wire one to the control 100 yeah i mean it's again we're we're selling you the same meter so if you've got the whole shielded cable separate wire path worked out definitely go on keep doing that because as everybody knows a wire okay. connection is better than wireless yeah and then inside the hydrowise uh app or the controller which model controllers does this work with any of them that read flow so it's going to be the HC, the HPC, the PHC, and the HCC. It's everything but the X2, I think it is. And then what capabilities does this unlock beyond, you know, reading 16 gallons a minute? What does the, what can the HydroWise do with this information? Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, we've been doing training classes all week. And, it, you know, I think the majority of people, their approach to selling flow meters is off. We don't care. I mean, we, we we can figure out the gallons per minute. We could do all that. That's not the benefit in it. The benefit in it is to find out problems with this with a uh, irrigation system as they're happening. You know, it's a, it's a common thing for me to say to contractors when I'm speaking to them in a training. You ever have homeowners who complain about when you come to do your spring turn on and you hit them with a big bill? The whole room will say, yeah, of course we do. Yeah, we do. And, you know, I've said, like, do you, have you ever thought about explaining this to them and saying, like, we noticed this stuff when we were here winterizing in October or November or September. We don't fix them typically then. We make notes and we come back and fix them. But the point is that all these problems, a broken head, a, a, maybe a break in a pipe, a valve issue, these things didn't happen the day before we showed up here to winterize your system. They happened all season long. And 
since there's nothing in place to detect it, it just went undetected. So you had a, a, a landscape that wasn't receiving the proper irrigation. You had things that were broken. You were wasting water. It's a lot of different things you, that you that happened that probably happened and went on for, for months uh, unaddressed because your system runs at three, four, five o'clock in the morning and no one's looking. Mm -hmm. So you can you know pretty much real-time detect issues with the system, which is great. Um, just things that are just running inefficiently. The other side of things is um, unscheduled flow. So our, our controllers know, they know the schedule for the irrigation system and the, the system's designed to run, you know, for example, it runs from 5 a.m. to 9 a.m. It's 1 a.m. and there's water flowing through that meter. So what's going on? I mean, we, we will send you real time notifications to let you know anytime, whatever the thresholds that you, the contractor set within our software, whenever those thresholds are met, mm -hmm. we're going to send you notifications. So I like to explain it as almost like an insurance policy for a landscape. Personally, I, I had an irrigation system, believe it or not, flood my basement. So if I had hydrolyze in place, that wouldn't happen. I kind of position it that way to people too. But it's it's if, you, if you're selling flow meters as a way to detect water usage or, or monitor or, or totalize water usage, it's, it's really the wrong approach. Okay, cool. And it sounds like there's a lot of irrigation systems out there in the world that you guys are retrofitting, right? Five years ago, 10 yep. years ago, people had a Pro-C and ICC controller, right? And now yep. you're retrofitting them. They don't have flow meters. So if you want to retrofit and add a flow meter or flow sensor to an existing property, what you said, running that wire from the controller to the flow meter is the limiting factor. So it sounds yep. like this is gonna unlock opportunities for uh, not only the contractors to provide more services, but for the homeowners to enhance their systems or the commercial property that they couldn't do before. Yeah, big time. I mean, big time. I I, don't, I really don't know what the split is. I mean, I, I have to think we're I have to think we're selling more hydrowise controllers in a retrofit situation than in a um, install situation. I think the retrofits got us in the door with the contractors. It gave them something to go out and sell. At this point now, uh, the, the guys that are comfortable with Hydrowise, they're, it's pretty much standardized. That's what they're installing on uh, with new systems. And, and in that case, they're getting a flow meter most of the time. Right. But as you said, on those retrofit situations, it becomes tough to do. You know, contracts are a little bit torn between, you know, spending a ton of time having to charge for it or just, uh, you know, getting the controller in there and, you know, taking advantage of all the other benefits other than the flow meter. Mm -hmm. But I, I do believe that the wireless will definitely open up a whole. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And all they have to do is find a suitable place in the main line, right? Before the first valve somewhere, yep. Uh, yep. install the flow meter. And then in this valve box that like you said, you drill a hole in the top of the lid, put the little uh, dome antenna in the box and then put, what did you call the other one? A fin, fin antenna? Yeah, it's a fin antenna. It's just, I mean, I have one over here, but with this is over. I know what you mean. So, it's more of maybe a directional kind of antenna. Yeah, it's a, it's shaped like a fin like that. I like mean, a shark fin. Okay. Yep. And then the, the flow meter can talk to the controller uh, wirelessly. That's awesome. Exciting yep. stuff. And cool. All right. Let's move on to product number two. Well, product number two kind of joined two products. One from kind of last year that, that launched and was wildly popular in this market for sure popular both in sales and performance uh, we launched a decoder module for our um, icc2 controller which is the same chassis the same controller as the hydrowise version the hcc controller it's we're calling it the ezd 
easy decoder system or EasyDM for easy decoder module. So we have that now that goes into the HCC and the ICC controller, which will open up that controller even in a plastic cabinet to a total of 54 zones, which is pretty incredible. It can use existing wire paths, you know, based on integrity. You could take any two 18 gauge wires, for example, and you could run, I think it's 908 feet on that 18, strand, 18 gauge strand. Okay. So you can keep, if you had a 10 zone system and you wanted to add on, you could leave all those 10 conventional zones in place and then grab two wires, convert them into a two wire path, convert from there on into uh, decoders. And would you be converting the whole system to decoders or just that, that's just the new area? You, you could do it either way, but I mean, personally, if everything conventionally was fine, I'd leave the conventional stuff alone. And it, it, now you're making a split hybrid controller. Cool. Um, again, up to that 54 station max. So you, there's tons of room to add on. Now, that was so popular in the ICC and HCC, we actually brought that down to Pro-C. So on the Pro-C now, there is a decoder module that you can pop in there and get to 32 stations of decoder. Got it. So let me uh, step back again. So last year, what model controllers did the Easy Decoder work with? The Easy Decoder module launched last year, possibly even the end of the year before, uh, for the ICC, which is our you know commercial control, light commercial controller, and the HCC, which is the hydrowise version of the ICC. You can interchange those two uh, faceplates in the same chassis. Uh, so the module launched for the ICC or HCC, which was really well received. And then we brought it down into the Pro-C. So you can get to 32 stations in a Pro-C. There's also a conventional mod, just for, for, for what it's worth. Uh, there's also a conventional mod for the Pro-C that'll get you to 23 stations in a Pro-C. Okay. The rumor has this, that, that the Pro-C version will end up on HydroWise as well. Okay. And all of these controllers that you mentioned, ICC, HCC, Pro-C, are all HydroWise compatible or connected. Well, the cool thing about Hunter is, you know, we, we build it on a platform and we, everything's kind of interchangeable. You know, we have a Pro-C, which most people are familiar with. It's a, a modular controller. We have a HPC, which is a HydroWise Pro-C faceplate that'll pop right into that same Pro-C controller. On the ICC side, same. it's kind of built on the same dial and button programming as the Pro-C. If you're an expert on a Pro-C, you're an expert on the ICC pretty much. And same thing, you got a, a an HCC panel that will swap right into that ICC too, and it becomes a HydroWise controller. Okay, with, great, with the- awesome. So easy decoders for the Pro-C controller in 2021, and then opening up that opportunity for hybrid, where you can take an existing ball field that has 12 zones, and they're building a new field. You can then go run two-wire easy decoders out to that new expansion. Yep. Awesome. Yep. Great. All right, let's move on to number three. Number three, well, pretty much everybody who ran out and started installing easy decoders, a lot of times they were familiar with our ACC uh, controller and our ICD decoders that go with it. We have an ICD HP, which is a handheld programmer and diagnostic tool for our ICD decoders. I, I just dumped a, dumped a lot of acronyms on you right there, but... I know, man. Um, ICC, HPC, EZ. <laughs> Not easy. You need a you need a flowchart to follow along. But people who bought into and started installing our easy decoders, they loved it. They're the one thing that everybody would come out with right in the beginning was, this system is fantastic. When are you going to have a handheld programmer and diagnostic tool? And obviously, we went back to Hunter, and you know they were already working on it. So 
we have launched an EZDT, which is uh, the Easy Diagnostic Tool, which you can get a bunch of diagnostic information, including uh, decoder status and station number and things wirelessly, much like our um, ICDHP does. This also has programming ports on it, so you can field program from a valve box. So okay. that's that's kind of the scenario that I get hit with the most is, um, you know, we're building out to keep up with the landscape on a new project. We keep, keep getting called every you know, other week to irrigate a certain area, and we're dropping easy decoders in. Uh, irrigation guys are really uh, specific of how their programming is and at the end, and they want to clean it up. They don't want one to be in front of the house, two in the back, three on the side. So they wanted to be able to go around and reprogram the order of those decoders from the field. So that was, I, that was one of the biggest callings for uh, a programming tool. So mm-hmm. we have the tool now. You can do it right from the valve box. Uh, you will have to uh, take your two-wire leads off the decoder, pop them in the programming ports, give it an address, and then make your final connection right there in the valve box. Okay. A couple quick questions. The first one, talk to, talk to us about uh, how the diagnostic tool works wirelessly. So what does that mean? There's a, an infrared end on the on the front of the device, and it just okay. uh, so it is a um, yeah, it's wireless, but that's like uh, it's not a, um, a megahertz or a radio wave. It's a, a light wave, infrared conduction, uh, electrical conduction between the okay. bottom of the decoder. And not to not to not to <laughs> not to crowbar a sixth item in here, but we do we do have decoder stakes that we're launching this year too. So those decoder stakes are designed to be pounded into a valve box to keep that decoder, whether it's ours or it pretty much fits everybody, every manufacturer's decoder, and it'll keep the bottom of the decoder out of the mess so you can come back around with your diagnostic tool, just point it at the bottom of the decoder and get all your readings cool. right there. And what kind of readings are you getting out of that? What's it telling you? You're finding out decoder status. Uh, you can get um, station number. I think you get some uh, voltage readings. Truth of the matter is, I got this, I think, yesterday. <laughs> okay, so I'm not an expert yet on using it because it's brand new. Uh, does the decoder need to be powered up by the controller for this to work? The decoder would need to be powered up by the controller to get the readings. The decoder would have to be removed from the wire path in order to program. To program at a so, station number, right. Okay. Yeah. So, so you get, you'll get the readings uh, without touching any, anything on the wire path. Again, if you're using those decoder stakes, uh, the bottom of that decoder is facing right out of the valve box. So flip the valve box over, boom, point it, and uh, get your readings, and uh, good yeah, to go. That's great, man, because sometimes with two-wire, it's like um, troubleshooting in the dark <laughs> with your oh, eyes yeah. closed, yeah. right? It, sometimes uh, field service technicians don't always the, know where to go. The experienced ones know, but the mid to junior level sometimes don't know where to go to isolate and find the problem. And, uh, you know, I hear a lot that decoders are returned this, that are suspect that they've failed and they're not failed because it was just a wiring issue somewhere. So perhaps that yep. tool will help service technicians isolate the problems quicker. Yeah. Well, when I, when I show up on sites with an ACC or ACC2 with a handheld programmer, like you mentioned, some of the guys that are less experienced with um, decoder diagnostics, they see that and they think about what they had been doing for the last three days at the site, ripping decoders out, trying trying to program them. So that dec- that tool is is uh, is very cool, and uh, this one's going to be likewise. And I forgot to mention, by the way, the Easy Decoder system is a 24 volt system. 
So it's not like a traditional uh, decoder. So most of your diagnostics are going to fall in line with what your conventional diagnostics are going to be. Okay. So not, not too special about diagnosing this system, which is another thing that makes it easy. Awesome. Cool. All right. Let's move on to number four. All right. Sounds good. Uh, number four I have for you is our amazing PGP Ultra. We have now launched it in a six inch riser. So it's a really extremely popular head uh, for us, uh, for the industry. It's a hugely popular where, where we are. Performance is great. You know, I think most people know a lot of the specs on it. It's got a, a part circle, full, true full circle in one uh, memory arc return, which just snaps heads right back into adjustment. All the same specs as a regular PGP Ultra, just with a two-inch larger rise uh, from the stem. Yeah. So great. So that, that opens that brings up another question. You know, the the PGP ADJ, you know, is likely one of the most popular rotors of of all time, and you yeah. can still purchase it today. And yep. why would someone still use the ADJ when they can buy the PGP Ultra? You know what? Where I'm sitting right now is an is everybody's very familiar that there are two heads out there and one is a, an ultra some people are just stuck in their ways they like the nozzling they like the spray pattern uh, of, a, of an adj just kind of again people just a little bit you know not not to make it sound like a bad thing but a little bit stuck in their ways and just like what they like and replace but, what they uh, have yeah replace i mean th they'll both fit into the same can so it's not like you're you know you can't swap them out for each other but some people just like them and they, they, they like the nozzling they like the the spray pattern uh, i think the ultra has a better spray pattern and it's a better head it's got a better warranty mm -hmm. that has a check valve too right optional check valve. optional okay six inches probably important because the turf grass you know we're seeing longer length of turf grasses right yep that, that's exactly what it's designed for. I mean, we'll we'll still sell more of the four inch, I'm sure, obviously, but the uh, but the four inch is a nice option when you have those uh, scenarios. Yeah, and even um, I can relate to just my own property because it went in new construction, and I have I twenties. Love the I twenty, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, just over time, especially when the soil is new and it hasn't been you know compacted, the sprinklers definitely tend to settle. The grass, if it's grown properly, grows nice and thick. And before yep. you know it, every time the sprinklers come on, you're seeing, you know, a little donut of the, of yep. the turf bent over because the turret is just barely cresting the grass. So, yep. Yeah. Awesome. So number four was the PGP ultra 06, six inch. That's right. That's it. Oh, six will be the ultra in a six inch. That's correct. Awesome. All right, we have got one left. You know, I, I asked Kevin only to give us five of the 200 new things Hunter has coming out. So did you save the best yeah. for last? Well, you know what? I, I uh, worked my way to the back of the catalog, if I'm going to be honest with you, uh, <laughs> of the new document. So five is five because it's in the back. But uh, I did want to diversify a little bit. And um, I think we have a pretty cool product here. It's called the MP Steak. So if anybody's familiar with our MP rotors, um, this is going to be a 26 inch stake that comes with it's 0.345 tubing with a half inch male fitting connection. Hmm. And this is designed for temporary irrigation systems. You know, we sell Ecomat, which is a great product for uh, subsurface turf uh, applications. So 
you know, think turf walkways, roofs, whatever, you, whatever you want to, wherever you'd want to irrigate um, turf from um, below rather than above, you could use that eco mat, which is a great product. But we do tell you when you install that, that you should use overhead irrigation to um, get the roots to start growing. Mm -hmm. So that's one application that I could think of this product. Um, another one would just be just temporary stuff in beds. A lot of irrigation guys work for and with landscapers. You know, we've we've given we've given our contractors a bunch of different kind of quick temporary ways to set up a quick irrigation system. Because as we know, as the season kicks on and a landscaper's finishing up a project on a Thursday or Friday night and they need some water down there quickly, chances are you're busy too. So you, you could set guys up with certain products and they could just basically, you know, no thought, just go around sticking them in keep the area wet until you're able to get back there. And um, this is gonna come with a pressure regulator at 40, uh, 40 PSI with a check valve and then without that setup. So it's, it's just, it's something different. It's pretty cool. I think that we probably don't even know what a lot of the contractors are gonna end up using it for, which is, is kind of cool. You find out stuff from the guys we're selling it to, but uh, definitely something different, something new, unique. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. So we got an MP rotator. Everyone listening is likely familiar with the MP rotator. And then yep. uh, that is connected to a pressure regulator at 40 PSI. And then yep. underneath that is the stake, you know, that you yep. use to mount it temporarily. And um, under what hose is connected to the bottom? Yeah, it's it's got, I, I it's got to be some sort of polyethylene. And then how um, do you connect it to the supply line? What, or what kind of supply line is? Right. So I was kicking around some ideas. I mean, around here, we're a big poly market. So I, the, basically the way I was going through it with some contractors last week was, I guess it depends how much of you using. I mean, potentially if it's a real small area, you could run some blank drip tubing over to it and get a half inch female by 17 millimeter um, drip tube, uh, drip fitting. If you know you got a bunch of these out there and your flow is going to be too high for that half inch uh, blank drip tubing, then you could use some poly with some poly uh, T's and elbows to, to thread it in. Obviously, if you're in a PVC market, you can do the same thing with P uh, PVC fittings, but you're talking half inch thread is coming off of the unit here. Mm -hmm. So Okay. Yeah. So guys might, I could see them keeping a whole handful of them, a couple dozen or so on their trucks. Yeah. So if they're not able to bang in a zone for but in by the afternoon a new sod got laid, they could maybe yep. at the very least quickly connect a couple of those to the closest valve and just to get yep. some water flowing. Yeah. Hose bib, you know, yep. if you needed to with, with a little bit of hose, whatever it might be. But I mean, like I said, there's kind of nursery applications. Yep. This will be great. You know, yep. I mean, there's, there's tons of yeah, green roofs. You're right. Yeah. Tons of reasons why you'd use it. Uh, like I said, I'm kind of interested in hearing how people are going to end up using it. So, and just as a remind me, what's the flow rate required out of an MP rotator? It depens on. Um, Is it like a which, half gallon per minute or 0.2? Yeah, roughly. I mean, I could tell you exactly depending on what we're looking at, but typically you're looking at on a 1000 at 90 degrees, it's 0.21 gallons per minute. And re more realistically is uh, and that's a ninety. So if you doubled that to a one eighty, you'd probably double the flow yeah, rate. So exactly uh, on a two thousand, same thing. Half half circle on a two thousand is uh, about three quarters of a gallon. Okay. Cool. Well, that's you know good 
good simple math and you can easily if needed to hook up to a hose bib temporarily with an adapter and you know if you got five six gallons a minute uh, that hose bib you can run quite a few of them temporarily cool so that's the top five products i think uh well let me ask you before i say which of those five are you most excited about i mean just i mean we we sell a lot of hydrowise around here and it's been like a personal mission of mine to get more of the flow meters out there. And I think this will definitely help us on that. And then the easy uh, DT is going to be huge. It's, it, it, we've got a lot of guys installing easy decoders to begin with. And I think that this is just going to open it up for way more. I mean, I've got people waiting for these things. Yeah, totally agree. I think if we have access to the data, the the water data, the flow data, it will help raise the education level of the entire industry because right now people just don't know what they don't know because we aren't able to see the data or we haven't been able to see the data unless we were spending you know thousands and thousands of dollars on commercial and institutional type systems and even then half of them barely worked right if we can get more data at that entry level access it'll it'll help everyone so i think that would be what I'm most yeah. excited to see, probably followed by the handheld, but I also think something that's um, innovative in the analog space, if that's the right way to call it, like the MP stake, I think that's kind of cool because it yeah. unlocks new new opportunities to provide water and irrigation services that might not have been there before. Yeah, I mean, we tend, you know, the, the exciting stuff now tends to be all controller you know, um, advancements. And that's what people talk about. But like, kind of like you're saying, you could go back to old school, you know, throwing water around. It's, it's, it's cool to see some new stuff. Yeah. The amount of requests that come in that I've had about temporary irrigation systems, no one has truly solved that question. And I don't know that this is the best way to solve yeah. it, but it's definitely a need that's out there that isn't addressed other than garden hoses and like yeah. oscillating sprinklers. <laughs> yeah, well, that's exactly. <laughs> Still is, you're right. That's funny. Awesome. Well, that's great. Appreciate you sharing those top five. Hunter's a great company. I'm excited to see these come to market as well. And uh, yeah. it was good chatting with you, Kevin. Keep up the good work, yeah. man. I appreciate it. You too. It's great being here. Thank you very much. Yeah, we'll catch you soon. Take care. All right, thanks.